Val and Gwenny, he is our healer. He is our healer. Rita, he's our healer. Well, everybody looks well rested after getting an extra hour of sleep last night. (laughs) Oh, thank you, Lord. Y'all, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to warn you, uh, we're going to, we're going to cover some rough ground this morning, I think, and, uh. When I when I give my scripture reference, there are going to be some Bible scholars in this in this uh, congregation. They're going to say, "Darren, that on a Sunday morning." But listen, I'm I'm going to do my best to in this passage of scripture keep it uh, PG. <laughs> Thank you, sir. God bless you. Sorry if y'all can hear that crunching eyes. Um, PG. So when I when I say that, several of y'all are like, "Well, I guess I'll stay awake for this because that sounded kind of interesting." I saw a couple of eyebrows go up. What's going on here? Our uh, our our scripture is going to come from the book of Genesis this morning, and y'all. I want to encourage somebody today. That's uh, that's where I'm headed. I'm an encourager, and uh, that's what I want to do. But uh, it's going to be a little odd getting there. I think this morning. This is this is not something that is uh, typically Sunday morning uh, jump and shout stuff. But Genesis chapter 38. Genesis chapter 38, and I'm going to read verses one through six. <clears throat> It came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers and visited a certain Adulamite whose name was Hera. And Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite whose name was Shua, and he married her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son, and he called his name Ur. She conceived again and bore a son, and she called his name Onan. And she conceived yet again and bore a son and called his name Shelah. He was at Chezeb when she bore him. Then Judah took a wife for Ur, his firstborn, and her name was Tamar. Now, a lot of y'all that know this uh, scripture are probably thinking, boy, Darren, you stepped off in this. But we're going to proceed. Our text here, if you just take it, and, and let's say you started a, an episode of a show, and, and you just take this, and you plug anybody else in there, it just shows a, a man, Judah, he's settling down, he gets married, Uh, He starts having some kids, and he begins to become the patriarch of his own family. You know, it happens all the time. Uh, He takes a wife. She gives him three sons. And then he chooses a wife for his eldest son named Ur, E-R. I'd hate to have that name. During this time, Judah's just living. He's living his life. He grows his flocks, and he becomes a successful businessman. But if we read on, we find out that Ur was wicked. In fact, Ur was so wicked that the Lord killed him. Now, at the time, it was customary, it was tradition, that if one son died, your next son was to marry the young woman. So, Onan. Well, Onan was wicked. (laughs) That same fate. 
the Lord killed him. So he gets down to the last son, Sheila. And he's left. It's just Sheila now. And Tamar's like, Judah says, well, you're not old enough. But when, when he gets old enough, I'll call you. Verse 11 says, Verse 11 says that Judah looked at Tamar and said, uh, Remain a widow in your father's house till my son Sheila is grown. So it sounds like it's, it's going to happen, like you're going to get Sheila. But then he says, then he says this, Lest he also die like his brothers. <laughs> you go and I'll call you when he's ready. I'm just going to die like his brothers. And so she leaves and Tamar goes. It doesn't sound like Judah's going to keep his end of the bargain. He wasn't too hip to the idea of uh, giving Tamar his next son in marriage. And time passed. Time goes on. And Tamar stayed at her her father's house in Judah. He just continued on with his life. He continued to grow his business. He continued to uh, raise his his flocks and, and do whatever Judah did. Business as usual. I'm going to tell you all a story that happened to me about 20 years ago. And it, I, was, uh, I went to work at a lumber yard uh, here in Corsicana, and I absolutely loved that job. And uh, I showed up on the job the first day, and the yard manager came to me and says, Darren, here's our policies and procedures and our rules. And uh, he said, but you've got to remember, one of our rules is one man goes to lunch at a time. And uh, once you start at 11... And it's a 45-minute lunch, and then I go first because I'm in charge, you said, and then the next man goes and at 12, and then you'll go at 1. But you gotta, we have to have two people in this lumberyard because we're busy during lunch. And uh, that's when all the contractors remember, man, I forgot this, I forgot that, and they'd run back, and boy, he was right, it was busy. Well, after about a week of uh, working there, I loved it. I realized one day I, I saw the lead man go in, I thought, well, it's, it's 11 o'clock, he's taking his lunch. And uh, I realized after a while that there were trucks backed up. And I looked around for the second guy, and he wasn't there. And so I thought, well, where'd he run off to? Well, at about 12.20, they took an executive lunch. They both walk out together laughing and talking. And I thought, wow, it's not right. It's against the rules. And there's one thing that you will learn about Darren if you meet me and you get to know me is we follow the rules. If it's 70 miles an hour, I'm 68.4 on the cruise control. We are not going to be those people that don't follow the rules, you know. So, thank you, Go Grouser. <laughs> so, let the gray van make it. <laughs> so, the next day, the same thing happened, and I see them go in together. And I think, man, they're breaking the rules. The third day, and I'm like, as soon as it doesn't get busy out here, I'm going to put my foot down. So... Had a little slack there. Wasn't anybody sitting at the stop sign honking to get loaded up. And so I went in. And that place was a ghost town when I went in there. There was one cashier up front and one person at the help desk. And I thought, well, I know it's not the rapture because I know these folks. <laughs> I've worked with them for about a week now. So I thought, well, I'm going to go find the manager. And he wasn't in his office. So I decided, okay, break room. Well, I went. To, there were two things in our break room. There was a microwave and there was a TV. So I go... And I open that break room door, and there's people packed in there. 
and they're all craning to see the TV. And I thought, oh, no, what happened? It had to be the president on telling us about some kind of attack or something. And I looked, and they're watching a talk show. But it wasn't like anything I'd ever seen before. I'd, what are they looking at? And it, there's these people sitting up on this stage in these chairs, and one of them was like a, dressed up like a biker guy, and there was a lady there in a wedding dress, and there was these other people. And uh, they were talking and just being hateful to each other. And everybody was just staring at the TV. Like, what in the world's going on? Well, all of a sudden, this biker guy, someone says something to him. He gets up, and boy, he just starts pounding on this other guy there. What in the world is this? And everybody in the room is just, oh, there they go. And y'all, I had beheld the Jerry Springer show for the first time <laughs> in my life. And every day, it came on at 11 o'clock, and I was abandoned in that lumber yard while everybody went in there fogging up the TV to see what kind of garbage they were going to put on. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. I mean, this show, and don't if you've never seen it, don't go watch it for research purposes or anything. No, just take my word for it, it is trash. Love Triangle? Mm, love Pentagon. I mean, it was... Ridiculous, y'all. So I'm sitting there watching this. And as I'm reading the scripture, I think, well, there's some Jerry Springer stuff in the Bible. I mean, there's stuff in the Bible that could make Jerry Springer say, get them on tomorrow. We want them on tomorrow. Get them here. And that's where we are, y'all. The show would go on and, and there would be a fight and they would break it up and then... There was, there was always this one person sitting there, and the camera would zero in on them, and they would just attack that one person. And then Jerry would say something smart, and the whole world's looking at that one person. And their shame, and their guilt, and their failure was on display for the world to see. And it got ratings. And people enjoyed seeing it. And the crowd would, would just chant, Jerry, Jerry. Terrible. Judah. Judah had him a Jerry Springer experience. Oh, Judah. Verse 12. Sad things start to happen. Now, in the process of time, the daughter of Shua, Judah's wife, died. And Judah was comforted and went up to his sheep shears at Timnah, he and his friend Hera the Adulamite. So Judah's just living his life, and then his wife passes away. So I guess it's just him and Sheila there and his sheep. And, and uh, he goes up with his friend on this business trip to shear his, his sheep. And uh, during this time, Sheila had grown into manhood. And what he should have done was call up Tamar and say, Tamar, here's Sheila. Present him to you, your husband. But uh, he didn't send for Tamar. He had never intended for Tamar to have him. Tamar, at this point for Judah, was just a memory. Forgotten about her. I don't need to worry about that. She's gone. She's doing her own thing. So he takes off on this business trip to go shear some sheep. And it was told Tamar, verse 13, saying, look. 
your father-in-law is going up to Timnah to shear his sheep. So she took off her widow's garments, covered herself with a veil, and wrapped herself, and sat in an open place, which was on the way to Timnah. For she saw that Shelah was grown, and she was not given to him as a wife. When Judah saw her, he thought she was a harlot, because she had covered her face. Well, hello there, Judah. Hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. Men and women are as different as night and day. Judah, forgotten about it. Oh, good Lord. Women. Judah, you should know by now they don't forget. <laughs> they don't forget. And, buddy, you better, if, if it's quiet and you think it's okay, it's not okay. <laughs> Tamar began to scheme and she began to plan. She wasn't having it. To be a widow in this culture at this time with no prospect for marriage meant she was going to have a life of poverty and want. There's no man to take care of her, and she was entitled to a man. She was entitled to Sheila, and she was going to do what she had to do to make sure that happened. Let's discuss Judah for a minute. When you hear the word Judah, it means praise. That's a powerful name. Judah. One of the tribes. Here's the patriarch. We're learning about him. But Judah, as a man, he was morally deficient. If you look at verse 1, it says, It came to pass at that time that Judah departed from his brothers. At what time? And why did he leave his brothers? Well, 38... It comes right after 37. If you read chapter 37, you find out where he was coming from and what had happened. In chapter 37, he and his brothers, taking their younger brother, Joseph, had thrown him in a pit. And they sold him into slavery. They took his coat, very distinctive to Joseph, a coat of many colors, and they dipped it in some blood, and they went home to their elderly father and said, well, we found this coat. Is, is, is this his? And his father was, oh, my son, he's been, he's been eaten by a wild animal. And the brothers were like, yeah, that's, that's it, Dad. Judah had sold his brother into slavery. The Bible says for 20 shekels of silver. I did a little research, did a little math, and in today's, Numbers, that, that equates to about eight ounces of silver, and with today's current silver price, about $140. He sold his little brother into slavery for $140. Folks, we ain't dealing with a good dude here. Judah, what is wrong with you? Not only that, he had two sons that were so wicked and so evil that God killed them when they stood. What kind of father was that? What kind of man was that? I believe that Judah knew his boys, and I think that he knew that if he were to give Sheila to Tamar, that boy was going to die too because of improper raising. And when Tamar began to scheme... How am I going to do this? How am I going to make this happen? I know Judah. 
I've been around him long enough. He's a dirty old man. I know just what to do. I know just how to trap Judah. And she exploits that weakness to her advantage. Judah's a businessman. It's all about the business. He sees Tamar, and he strikes a deal with her. Face is covered. She has a veil on. She looks the part. Are you this? I am. Well, I'm interested in a little business. Okay. They strike a deal. Um, I tell you what, uh, I will trade you a goat for your services. And she says, that sounds good. I don't see a goat anywhere. And he says, well, okay. And she says, what are you going to leave as a pledge, kind of like collateral? Uh, Because, you know, I have to get paid. And uh, he says, well, whatever, you you tell me. And she says, well, I'll tell you what. Leave your signet ring and your cord and your staff here with me. And then you send the goat later, and I'll send that back with whoever brings the goat. He says, okay. Now, this stuff right here, um, you know, signet and a a staff, to us it seems kind of insignificant. (laughs) But they were very distinct and very valuable. Judah, this signet, it was like a ring, and he... It bore his symbol, his seal. And whenever he conducted any business, it was like his signature. He would stamp that, that on there. And people would look at it and say, let's see, we have all this livestock that's been sold, and that's Judah's mark. Judah has purchased this. This is his. Judah, this bears his mark. This is his business. And he turned it over. His staff was something very significant for a man at this time. He probably carved it himself. It was probably the same height that he was. Wherever he went, he walked with it. Very significant. Staffs were very important to these men. In fact, so important, one of the three things contained in the Ark of the Covenant was Aaron's staff. It's in there. These were significant things. They were unique to him. And he says, you know what? I'm going to readily turn over my debit card and every single bit of personal information about me for a moment of pleasure. I'm cool with that. It's easy for us to uh, say how foolish Judah was to do this. But this veiled woman, this veiled woman still exists. Oh, it might get uncomfortable in here, Darren. It might just, this veiled woman, she's still out there. But she don't sit on the road anymore and wait for you to pass by. She's on your phone or your laptop. And she's sitting there and she's waiting. She'll take your most valuable possessions. And let me tell you something. (laughs) Her name is no longer Tamar. You know what her name is. I don't have to say it. It's an industry that generates $12 billion of annual revenue in the United States alone. The pornography industry makes more money in a year than ABC, NBC, and CBS combined. That veiled woman's still out there. I'm not going to camp here long, but listen. Every day, men hand over their spiritual signet rings and their staffs to this veiled woman without a second thought. And let me tell you something. She's got this veiled woman. She's got a scheme. You're going to get exposed. Jesus said, those things done in darkness, everything's going to be seen. 
It's going to come to light. Folks, don't. If that's you, understand that the veiled woman has a sinister plan. Verses 19 through 23, let's move on. So she arose and went away. She leaves. And laid aside her veil and put on the garments of her widowhood. She's done with that now. Back to being a widow. And Judah sent the young goat by the hand of his friend the Adulamite to receive his pledge from the woman's hand. But he didn't find her. Then he asked the men of that place, saying, Where's the harlot who was openly by the roadside? And they said, There's no harlot in this place. So he returned to Judah and said, I can't find her. Also, the men of the place said there was no harlot in this place. Then Judah said, Just let her take them for herself, lest we be shamed. For I sent this young goat, you haven't found her. Oh, Judah, don't you know he was sweating? You don't even know what she looks like. You don't even know her name. And she's running around with all of your information for a moment of pleasure. He said, you know what? Let's just forget this whole thing. Maybe we'll just blow over. We'll be all right. I mean, what's done is done, right? Maybe stumbled. Shouldn't have done it. Oops. <laughs> Let's just move forward. Let's move on. Somebody comes to Judah and says, hey, Judah, guess what? This is some gossip, Old Testament gossip. About three months after, Judah was told, saying, Tamar, your daughter-in-law, she's played the harlot. And further, she is with child by harlotry. You know what Judah said? Oh, poor girl. Everybody makes mistakes. No. Judah said, go get her. We're going to burn her. (laughs) Really? Right there in your Bible. Go get her. Let's burn her. Oh, Judah. Really? You know, whenever I read this passage of Scripture, I think about Matthew chapter 7, where Jesus is, you know, delivering the Sermon on the Mount, and he says, Judge not lest ye be judged, you know. And then he starts talking about the, the speck and the plank. So here's Tamar with a little bitty piece of sawdust in her eye, and Judah's got an eight-foot-long two-by-twelve, and he, go get her. We're going to burn her up. <laughs> Dude, things are, things are about to get bad for you. So, ooh. Been a long time since we've had a good prostitute burning, boys. Let's go get her. Yeah, this is going to be fun. So they go get they go get Tamar, and they bring her. And she comes up, and she says, Well, it's interesting. It's interesting how she does this. When she was brought out, um, she sent to her father-in-law saying, By the man to whom these belong, I am with child. She didn't say, Hey, Judah, look at this stuff. <laughs> no. She came and she said, that baby daddy owns these things. They're his. Boys, go tear down the, the wood and all that. You get ready for the fire because it ain't happening today. Judah. Because you know everybody was there. We're going to burn this girl. Let's all get together. And up she walks. Here's your ring, Judah. Here's your staff. And right there, right there, thousands of years ago, you can almost hear it. Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. (laughs) Jerry Springer Sunday School, right here. And Judah is on display. Absolute failure 
Judah recognizes it. He, he acknowledges it. He says, wow, you know, he acknowledges the things. He said, those are mine. She's been more righteous than I because I did not give her to Sheila, my son. And for that, he never knew her again. Judah looks at this and says, oh, Tomorrow you're right. You've been more righteous than I have. I I should have given you Sheila, and I didn't. And what a mess. What an absolute mess. <laughs> she has twins. She has twins. They're born. One of them is named Perez. The other one is named Zira. Babies are a blessing. doesn't matter how they get here. Children are a blessing. So he's got these boys now that are his. And in this situation, and everybody knows about it. You know? There goes Judah and those twins. <laughs> And he continues on with his life, and he increases his flock, and he gets his ring back so he can do his business, and he walks around with his staff, and he just, you know, you go on, you mess up, and you go on, and then I can just imagine him, he's, he goes out to the field to work, and he, he turns around, and there's Zira. It's my kid, but every day I've got this physical, tangible reminder right here that I messed up. And every day I bump into him and I see it. There's there's Perez. Oh, hey son. Oh, I failed. Some of us Some of y'all pass a house when you're, you're driving down the road and you see it. And it, you remember. Or there's a memory. Every day you bump into it. A failure. I was hurt. I hurt someone. Whatever. You're, you're scrolling through social media and you see that person. And you, oh, Something you said, something you did, there's a reminder there that you just you bump into, and it just reminds you that, oh, you failed. Man, you messed up. Thank you, Darren. You're so encouraging this morning. I, yay. Yay. And it looks like, read it. There's, there's not a mention of God in chapter 38. Nowhere. Chapter 39, 40, and 41 continues after this, and we get into Joseph. And multiple times in chapter 39, the Bible says, and God was with Joseph. And let me tell you, when we get in these situations, when we get to this point in our life, we failed, and we've got this Jerry Springer mess, and we can't see God in the middle of it, we make a mistake. And the mistake that we make is that we humanize God. We think that because we're limited and we can't do anything about this, well, God, he just, oh, I messed this up so bad. I, 
I'm just going to keep raising my sheep and do my business and go, go shear my sheep, and I'm just going to make it through because obviously you're nowhere around in this thing that I've caused. And we, we tend to think that over here we got Canaan and we've got Judah. And he, he sells Joseph into slavery. And we read in the Bible that God was with Joseph. So for us it's like, well, over here's Egypt and God's with, he's with Joseph uh, there in Egypt. Because we read it, it says that specifically. And he's like, okay, Joseph, I'm with you. It's going to be tough. And come on into Potiphar's house. And occasionally God looks over and says, well, it looks like Judah's getting married. Okay, he's, he's fine. And, uh, okay, Joseph, uh, now Potiphar's wife is coming in. You good boy. Run. Good. Oh, that's my boy, Joseph. Oh, Judah's having a couple of kids. He looks like he's doing okay. Okay, Joseph, now you're going to go to prison for a little while. But it's going to be all right. Because I'm going to elevate you there. It's going to be okay. Well, Jude's going to shear some sheep. Okay, it's good. We're still good. And he's with Joseph. And he's with Joseph. And finally, Joseph, in a day, rises from a prison cell to second in command of the superpower nation of the day. God elevates him that quick. Great. You're going to save the world, Joseph, because this famine thing I got worked. Let me come over here and let's go back to Canaan and let's look over here at Judah. Judah, are you kidding me? With Tamar? Oh, me. (laughs) Can I tell you something? God wasn't shocked by Judah and Tamar. Nothing occurs to God. And the God that was over here, the complete time that we see this, this beautifully orchestrated thing in Joseph's life that elevated him to this position, the same God that did all of that had his hands right in the middle of this mess over here with Judah and Tamar and all them. He's there. Didn't shock him. Didn't surprise him. Your mess, you can't shock God. Can't shock him. We're talking about God here. There and it's still so messy. It's still so ugly. I mean, the, the complete chapter 38, if it was taken out of the Bible, fine by me. That's, that's okay. We'd just skip over it and go on. What, how, how, do you, how do you come to terms with this? And, and, and what significance is this? And Well, 1,600 years later, there was a physician named Luke who wrote a book to Theophilus. And he said, Theophilus, I want to, people have, have sat down and they've written about the life of Jesus. And I want to do that. And uh, what I'm, what I'm going to do here is I've collected this stuff and I've talked to these, these eyewitnesses and I want to set down what I know about Jesus. And he begins to write. And in chapter 3, we get to one of those boring lists. You know... Begat, begat, he begat this. You know what I'm talking about? And he starts with Mary. Now, it doesn't say Mary here in your Bible, but it says Heli. And Heli was Jesus' grandfather. This was Mary's father. And we start reading that 
that uh, Heli was the son of Mephat, the, the son of Levi, the son of Melchi, the son of Jonathan, the son of Joseph. And these people we don't really know, but if we skip down, man, it gets good here because in verse 32, it says the son of Jesse, the son of Obed. Oh, I know these guys. The son of Boaz, the son of Salmon, the son of Nashbon, the son of Amminadab, the son of Ram, the son of Hezron, the son of Perez, the son of Judah. The... Wait, what? Well, did you hear that? The son of who? The son of Perez. The son of Judah. Matthew wrote a genealogy also. You go back to Matthew and you read that, and that's Joseph's genealogy. It's the same thing until you get to David. Then you have Nathan, you have Solomon. And Nathan goes on to be Mary's. Solomon goes on to be Joseph's bloodline. If you think that you have a mess in your life, (laughs) if you think that you have a mess in your life, that God can't take that thing and use it and Him get the glory, you're sadly mistaken. He took this sick, incestuous, filthy, trash, Jerry Springer episode script, and He got the glory out of it. Listen, there was a promise made to Abraham. And that promise was, I'm going to bless the whole world through your descendants. And He did through this. He didn't use Joseph. It's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And Judah had other children, but God said, you know what? That looks bad, but I can use that. I can take that and I can do something with it. Folks, there ain't nothing. And I know that's not proper English. But there ain't nothing that you've done, that we've done, that can separate us from His love, and that he can't take to use for his glory. If you're here today, I would just want you to know. I, I don't know what situation you're in. It may not be, I hope you don't have a couple of twin illegitimate children hidden away somewhere. I, 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 you probably don't. Probably not that bad. But I can tell you this, I've been in situations where I have messed up. And it was my own doing. And I looked at it and thought, God, I did this every day of my life. I turn around and there it is, some kind of reminder of my failure. And for a long time I lived that way. And one day I prayed and I opened my Bible and I said, God, I just I just need to I need to hear you. I need you to speak to me and I Open the Bible, and Romans 8 and 1 was right in front of me. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. That's it. Look, old things pass away, all things become new. Those things that we run into and we, we bump into, they're going to affect us. But if it's sin, know this, while we're bumping into it, God, who has forgotten that, is saying, you're, I don't know what you're doing. You're mine. Y'all stand with me this morning.